You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Padres podcast, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day for Wednesday, October 14th. My name, of course, is Javier Reyes, your host of this here Lockdown Padres podcast. Check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account, which is at Javapeno, and that's spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. Hit me up on either of those accounts if you if you feel so inclined to do so. Maybe hit me up with some questions, some comments, maybe just some, some good love. It's, everybody needs some good love these days. You know, even myself, even a jolly old fellow like myself appreciates the love in the comments, guys. So be sure to do that if you'd like. Today's episode, guys, is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. And today's episode, everybody, oh, it's a nice and little goody, goody, good one, short and sweet, hopefully. Uh, just going to be talking about last night's games between the Dodgers and Braves, as well as the Rays and the Ashes and how that series just fought apart. And then briefly touch on some of my thoughts about where the Padres might want to look when it comes to free agency. What is the next step for that team? What, what, what are the next step, guys? And, and, and you know, and it's not such an easy answer. So we're going to be talking about that a little bit. So let's get right into it. Let's start off with last night's games, guys. Wow. Um, the Braves are up 3-0 on the Houston Astros after winning last night's game by a score of 5-2. I think the biggest takeaway from the game is, yes, the Rays are better and the Astros are absolutely not. One thing I will say is this man, uh, and this is, this is probably going to be the, the controversial type of thing. Actually, let me say that for you. First of all, I just want to give a shout out to the Rays. They've been playing so good. I mean, just a team that in a lot of ways, and I recommend everybody go check out um, Lockdown Royals because Ryland Styles, who would know a lot more about this uh, than myself, is doing a comparison today. Uh, he did a comparison episode between this 2020 Rays team and the 2015 uh, Royals team. Just teams built on just good pitching, good bullpen pitching, and just amazing defense, and not necessarily one superstar player that you know of. Don't get me wrong, Ariz Arena has been pretty amazing for them, but for the most part, it's a very unknown name type of guys. Not a lot of market type of guys you know the, the Astros on the other hand like have like six of those you know from Correa to to Bregman to uh, Zach Greinke all these guys right they've definitely got some names on that team and they're just dominating and I think the the, the jokes that I was seeing on MLB Twitter is just the raised defense you know 71% of the world is covered in uh, water while the other 31 no 29% is covered in uh, the Rays defense is covering the rest of it. So just it feels like it's just one of those teams that is so complete and it is very much a team too, which is what's so exciting about them. This is not a team that's got like a couple good players. I mean, look, we love our Padres and stuff, but this is not a team uh, like the, the Padres at all. They don't have superstar players. They've just got guys that are very next man up. So shout out to them. And I will say this though, and I, I, I saw some other fan, friends of the, the Lockdown Network. They're going in the opposite direction. I, you know, don't get me wrong. I am rooting for the Rays. Do not, do not mistake me. But objectively, I do think that it actually might be a little good for baseball if the Astros were in the World Series. Here's my thing. I think that a Dodgers-Astros rematch 
would be actually pretty amazing. That's not what I would want, but I'm just saying that would be pretty spectacular. You know what I mean? I actually think that that would be one of the more just from a narrative type of standpoint, don't get me wrong. I don't think it's good that a team that cheated comes out and then wins in a close season. I don't think that's like good for the spirit of the game at all. But I do wonder if like from a ratings perspective that the farther the Astros get into this, if more people, if they just have a villain to root against, is it possible that maybe people get more interested in the World Series if that were the case? Um you know, I, I and one of the re- reasons why I think this is because I used to be one of those people who were like the same team winning, the bad team winning that everyone hates. It's bad, root against them. You know, in basketball, when the Warriors were just dominating the league and winning like four titles in a row, whatever the heck it was, that that's bad and this and that. And the Patriots, it's awful that they keep winning. Last year, you know, when I was sitting at my my my, my Super Bowl party, I was watching the the Forty Niners and the Kansas City Chiefs go at the Super Bowl and. The Patriots not being in it, guys. I have to admit, someone who just loathes the loathsome Patriots people, they, they've left me in just the most despondent of moods every time they win a Super Bowl. Not having the ability to root against them, I have to admit, took away from uh, the game a bit. I wasn't quite so nervous. Man, I was more nervous talking to a girl that I, I was next to. You know what I mean? Like, 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 what was it? To like two months before that than I was watching that game. You know what I mean? There was more of an adrenaline than that that I had watching that football game. And every time it's against the Patriots, I have to admit, I'm always like, oh my God, please win. The Patriots, except for that Rams Super Bowl, which is the worst Super Bowl I've personally ever watched because even the halftime show wasn't any good. Like, everything was just awful. Um, I'm not kidding when I say the highlight of the Super Bowl between the Patriots and the Rams was was literally the um the the teaser at the beginning for Avengers Endgame like that was literally the highlight <laughs> it wasn't even like a big trailer just a teaser so that Super Bowl was awful so guys I'm just saying ever since then I've been more open to maybe you do need a villain maybe you do need a villain that everyone can just truly root against and that actually makes watching the game so much more exciting or is it just so much of a gamble that used to be like you know what the pain of them winning the pain of the Astros potentially winning the World Series the pain of the Patriots winning the Super Bowl whatever is is not worth the risk just for sake of having a game that you'd be really excited about so that's just my random kind of tangent on that guys but uh, otherwise shout out to the Rays it looks like they've got this no team has ever come back except for the aforementioned Boston team the Boston Red Sox in this case uh from a 3-0 deficit uh, and that was back in 2004 infamously depending on where where you're from for where I'm from it's infamously uh from the 3-0 deficit to win that series you know uh all the Astros fans I don't hear them talking too much and for good reason the Rays are really showing them that we're here you know we're still really good at while you guys have some super talented players I do think the Astros will be back in some way um this is this is kind of their series to win I will say this one thing though if there's any like kind of long-term concern because it's very just in general this year it's very hard to start projecting what certain things mean for the future and all that stuff even for for the Padres which I'll talk to talk about later you know what I mean and and in multiple podcasts which is like you know one of my things is like can we count on Eric Hosmer and Will Myers being just as good next year because it was only a 60 game sample size and even less in the case of Hosmer since he played a little bit less since he was hurt at the beginning of the season can you count on that you know what I mean and I think that that's rare but I will say this one thing Jose Altuve looks washed he made th- he's made three of the four uh, Astros errors in uh, the series so far. He might have the yips. I remember talking about this a little bit with Jerickson Profar uh, when he was on the team and how he was making some weird uh, miscues in the infield very, very, very early on in the season and that that was one thing that the, the A's, when he was playing with the A's, were worried about with the amount of errors he made. Is it possible, man? Is it possible that not only is his bat declining like crazy, is it also that this guy is just might be done, man. He just might be done. 
You know, like it's, I'm not going to say it's sad. I'm sad that out of all the players in the league to have ended up being cheaters and kind of scoundrels behind the scenes when it comes to the integrity of the game, that it ended up being Jose Altuve. I would have loved if it was someone off the Red Sox, for example, even though I have no hatred to anyone really on the Red Sox team currently. Uh, I would have loved that instead. I would have loved maybe someone on the Dodgers. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I, I liked Jose Altuve. I think we all did. He was the short king. He was a true short king, and now he's anything but. He's the jester, if anything. I mean, he's been terrible, and the fact that he might just not be able to get the ball over to first base now is even more concerning. So if I'm an Astros fan, that's the most concerning thing probably about this series in general. Regardless of how it turns out, it's that Jose Altuve might just be done. Um, but that's enough on that series. Let's quickly talk about the Braves and Dodgers. The Dodgers lost... Uh, not shockingly, but they did lose yesterday to the Braves. Um, just to give you kind of a final uh, kind of box score, it was 8-7 to seven the Braves ended up winning. Ian Anderson went four innings, only giving up one hit and striking out five. He did walk five, however, which wasn't great. Darren O'Day, who I said was, you know, had, had been doing a good season, he only got one out and ended up giving two runs. The bullpen. As I was saying, you know, pitching isn't necessarily the Braves' strongest suit. Kind of let them down a little bit yesterday. But I was also expecting the Dodgers' offense to kind of rebound anyway in a lot of ways. Corey Seager has a good game here, as well as Max Muncy. But uh, it ended up not being enough as the, the Braves just ended up outscoring them, which is nuts. I mean, Tony Gonsolin... Just did not have a great start. Not an awful start. He goes four and a third, giving up five earned runs on three hits and three walks. He did get seven Ks, which is nice. But uh, Tony Gonsolin, kind of a one of those under the radar rookie, you know, young kind of guy uh, candidates this year, and he just didn't wasn't able to get it done. Uh, the Padres bullpen was, or not the Padres. Whoops, the Dodgers uh, bullpen was okay. I'm so used to talking about the Padres, you know, but in this case, it just wasn't uh, great. And really, I think my big takeaway is this is. You know, the Braves, I don't know. I feel like I want to talk about the Braves fans a little bit. I kind of I kind of want to have, like, Dylan Short of Locked Out Braves on to talk about this if they end up making the World Series. But my thing has been, look, the, the, the Atlanta teams, they need a break. You know what I mean? They need a break. The poor Atlanta fans, the Falcons are atrocious. The Hawks, basically, I remember they were in that phase where they were a great regular season team, but everybody kind of knew. Everyone did that wink-wink thing where they're like, they're just going to lose to LeBron in the playoffs, and they did, and they kind of didn't rebuild at the right time. They should have traded guys like Millsap at the right time. Not to get too NBA on you guys, but they you know, they kind of messed that up. And then the Atlanta Falcons, holy dear God. I mean, you want to talk about a team that was like, we are, we are who they thought we were. You know, that quote... That's the Atlanta Falcons. Ever since that Super Bowl loss, you think, oh, they're gonna they gotta come back and can they go through it? Nope, they did exactly that. And this year they're 0 5. They're firing their head coach and their GM, so that's not great. Um, and the Atlanta Braves, they've been kind of up and down, but the only time they like won the World Series was so far back. So it's that very uh, and it was in a shortened season, if I'm not mistaken, too, during another MLB kind of uh, crisis, I guess. And I know this is different, much different with the COVID case, but that was that. It's really sad. So I feel for the Atlanta fans. I know that they could get they've been getting a little like. Like braggadocious and flamboyant. They're like, screw all of you. We're great. I hate all of you people. The Dodgers stink. Boo. No one's giving us respect. They're puffing their chests out because it's like they finally have a good team and they want people to talk about them more. And they really do have a good team, guys. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Padres had one of the most exciting offenses in baseball this year just for the, the sheer fact of it being such a comeback for them on base percentage and all that stuff, you know, and, and Tatis being even better and Jake Cronenworth kind of, you know, being this out of nowhere rookie of the year candidate and Will Myers having the most 
unexpected bounce back season we'd seen in baseball in, in at least a decent amount of time. Uh, the Braves were just so much better. They finished second in batting average, first in on base percentage, second in runs, and second in home runs, and first in slugging percentage. I mean, dear God Almighty, guys, like their offense is just absolutely insane. And what I think is so exciting about the Braves is their team is super young. You know, Acuna's still only 22 years old. I know he had a little slight, slight regression this year. I mean, ever so slight. He batted like 250 with a 400 on base. He was he's still great. And then Austin Riley and Ozzy Albas and Max Fried, who, you know, as you know, you guys, he's only 26, you know, and, and he was one of those guys that I picked as a potential breakout. He's been great. Ian Anderson's 22. They've got all these guys, and they've got prospects, and they've got other guys who are just savvy kind of veterans, just veteran players that have just been better and better. Like we talked about yesterday, with Freddie Freeman, he might be an MVP candidate. And maybe they end up re-signing Marcelo Zuna. Hopefully, maybe they don't. Maybe the Padres might look into that. But, you know, Marcelo Zuna was also a just unbelievable this year. He had an OPS of over 1,000 thanks to his 18 home runs and an on-base of 431. Really a, a kind of a bounce-back year for him since he'd been kind of just a solid player, I feel like, offensively the past couple of years. And this year, he's just out of this world. Um, Dansby Swanson's pretty good. He's 26. He had a pretty good season batting 274 with a 345 on-base and 10 homers. He's a pretty good player over there at shortstop. So it's just one of those teams that's got a lot and not to mention Mike Soroka he's also he was like a an awesome ace pitcher for them last year and he should be back next year and he's pretty young too at just 21 years of age uh, which is just I mean come on man like how do you how do you find these guys sometimes and this is just frustrating sometimes when it's like these super young guys that they're they're great already it's just amazing so the the Braves they're going to be contenders for years to come hopefully it doesn't turn out the way I feel like those like mid 2000s Braves teams did maybe, I should say early tw- um, 2010s I should say actually um, where it was like these consistently good teams that nobody showed up to which is one of the things I've seen about the the people who are hating on the Braves fans where it's like yeah you guys are talking so much yet you don't even show up when your team is good uh, but hey give them a break guys that's all I'm saying um, hopefully it doesn't end up like that where there's this just consistent team that's in the playoffs a lot but then nobody ends up caring and even inc- including their own fans uh, so hopefully that doesn't go um, for them but you know still a great team they're excellent and they satisfy any type of baseball fan you know what I mean whatever you want you're kind of getting from the Braves this year especially because they're beating the Dodgers. But you know what else is even more fulfilling and even satisfying? That's right, guys. Oh, nom, nom, nom. Get your bellies, uh, get your bellies rumbling. Maybe not rumbling because I don't want to necessarily make you guys hungry. But actually, you know, yeah, I do want to make you guys hungry because I'm going to talk about Built Bar. See, here's the thing, guys. Built Bar, it's, it's, they're, they're chewy. You know what I mean? They're chewy like a chewy bar. You guys remember those chewy bars? They're almost like that, except they're covered in 100% chocolate. They're super soft and easy to chew like I said, and, and here's the great thing, man, they've got so many flavors of these old Built Bars, guys, they've got 12 originals, they've got coconut almond, orange, toffee almond, even a mint brownie flavor, and I don't even like mint particularly all that much, and I love their mint brownie flavor, and then they've got six new, amazing new flavors, guys, check these out, they've got caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, Oh yeah, and apple almonds crisp. And I haven't—I forgot. I just realized just now. This is what happens when I do an ad read. I forget some things every now and then. Guess what the best part is? They're also healthy for you. They're great for you if you're on the keto diet. They've got high fiber, high protein, low sugar, low calorie. They're just really fantastic, really awesome uh, protein bars that you guys can check out. I cannot recommend them enough. And guess what? We've got a deal for you. Check out this deal. 
All right. You can go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on and you'll get 20% off your next order. That is promo code locked on, guys, for 20% off at builtbar.com. Go check it out. All right, everybody, now we're back to just talk. Give a little preliminary Padres uh, talk. Oh, you know what I mean? <laughs> a little bit of uh, my, my thoughts on the Padres and where we're going forward with this team right now because it's not so obvious. And I, I've been alluding to that a lot because, you know, this is a team, and what's funny is before the season started, my position on the team was just a fringe kind of playoff contender for sure that maybe people were sleeping on, especially they, a post-hype sleeper, I think is what I called them, uh, heading into the season. And they're one of those teams, the rare teams that, despite some of the contracts that they have on this team, with Manny Machado, with Eric Hosmer, with Will Myers, he, hey, even Will, uh, Drew Pomeranz you might be able to throw in there. It's one of those teams that it's not the end of the world if they don't com- uh, compete just immediately. You know what I mean? It was one of those teams that you were hoping for maybe a fringe wildcard type of team and then hopefully the prospects start coming up like Campizano, like Mackenzie Gore, like Luis Patino, like Ryan Weathers, like all these guys. See, I mean, I mean, look how many prospects there are. CJ Abrams, all these guys, right? And it turns out that they jump-started that. You know what I mean? It's it, This happens sometimes. Hey, maybe we're the next Astros. Okay, maybe that wasn't a great comparison considering how they turned out. But what I mean is in the essence of a team that everyone expected to compete down the road, but then it immediately just kind of happened and everything fell into place. And I feel like that's the position that the Padres are in. And the question now is, what do they do in the offseason? First, let's just talk about who's coming off the books in this offseason, right? Garrett Richards, he was due, uh, he got paid $7.75 million this year. He is a free agent. Kirby Yates is a free agent. Jason Castro is a free agent. Jerickson Profar is a free agent. Trevor Rosenthal is a free agent. And, you know, and then some other guys who are kind of, you know, going to be coming off the books eventually. This is Tommy Pham in 2022 and Zach Davies in 2022. But just in terms of this season, those aren't like the, the best guys in the lineup for sure, obviously. But I must say um, the Rosenthal thing is interesting because without Kirby Yates and without Rosenthal committed to next year, it does mean that the Padres could be in a situation where they are looking for another closer or another relief pitcher. There's guys like Liam Hendricks on the market, who I'm sure is going to be absolutely someone that's sought off, sought after by a lot of teams. There are some other kind of uh, decent arms out there like Alex Colomay and Blake Trinan. But I will say this, though. I don't want to pay top bill. I don't necessarily think that that is the number one thing you need. Don't get me wrong. I'll take a Shane Green out there. I'll take a, a Blake Trinan or an Alex Colomay at the right price. But, you know, think about it. This is kind of the situation that the Padres had heading into this year where they invested in Drew Pomerantz, who was great, and they also invested in Emilio Pagan, who turned out to be not so great. And it's just it's one of those things where it can go either way when it comes to bullpen. So I know that in theory, because of Rosenthal coming off the books, maybe he wants to stay. Maybe he might, you know... I never like saying hometown discount. I think it's stupid. I think it's one of the most anti-player things out there. Uh, saying that next to the franchise tag at the NFL is one of just the most like anti-player type of vibes and sayings that you can type of uh, energies, vibes you can put out into the air. I think it's dumb, and I don't think we should be counting on that. But I am, I am one. I do want to see if maybe like this might be his preferred destination because it is a great team, and I do th- think to a degree that there are a lot of players in the league that do want to come to the Padres, and there's so many out there. So I'm really looking. Looking at that, and I know I think a lot of people are going to be looking at Trevor Bauer. You know, they they're saying, you know, what with with our rotation, if you had those three guys, you get Clevenger, you get Lamette, and you get Trevor Bauer. That's as dominant as a starting rotation as any in the league. But I will say this: I think some things are going to depend on maybe you know what happens in arbitration with Fernando Tatis. 
Or actually, maybe not Fernando Tatis because he's going to be in pre-arbitration, actually. I don't know. I always get a little bit confused by how pre-arbitration works. But based on some of the salary breakdowns I've seen, I think that conservatively we can assume that the Padres have around maybe $20 million to spend in free agency. Of course, that does assume that you know ownership doesn't give them more money to spend. It's all going to depend because I think a lot of owners, and we shouldn't be counting on the Padres owner who, uh, Ron, Fa- Ron Fowler, I don't necessarily uh, think that maybe he's going to maybe shell out the extra cash. You just can't count on, count on that. Sorry, breaking news, guys. You can't count on billionaires that necessarily want to give up more money. That's just kind of how the world works sometimes. But, you know, this is a guy who said last year he's like hey if he said heads will roll if the team doesn't win in 2020 and they ended up winning so maybe maybe with this team coming through the way it did he might be inclined to maybe allow a little bit more flexibility for Preller to iron out the roster we'll have to see but if you just operate at the the 20 million right now I'm not great at the money stuff. I love talking about contracts when it comes to baseball. I love it. It's so much fun. Like, or oh, how much is it going to cost for this? I love talking about that. So the offseason is so, so, so much fun. But if you look at it that way, I don't know how much Trevor Bauer is going to cost, but if they were to go after him, you know, maybe you look at a one-year deal, but otherwise, it's going to cost a lot. It might cost like up to $15 million. And if you do that, it really limits you in kind of ironing out the rest of your team. Don't get me wrong. That limits the rest of anybody who had a lot to spend, but... You know, as I alluded to earlier, are we sure that Eric Hosmer and Will Myers are going to be as good as they were next year? You know, and even even if they are, it's Eric Hosmer especially. He was good. He was actually he was pretty great this year. But you know, he is getting a little bit older. He is going to be turning 31 by the time we start next season. So, is it possible that maybe you know we can't count on too much of the team necessarily? Hopefully, say if Eric Hosmer you know declines, maybe we get a good season out of Tommy Pham, who hopefully he's doing okay after that incident, of course, that I talked about yesterday. But I'm just saying, there's a lot of things that this team, while it did break out in a lot of ways, we have to be careful to assume that everything is just going to stand pat and that you can just upgrade things you know you have to be careful because hey look we assumed Kirby Yates would be great and he gets hurt and then he's out for the season we assumed Amelia Pagano paper would be great he's hurt or not hurt he just gets hurt in terms of just not performing all that well and then all of a sudden we, we have a bullpen issue I do think that one thing I'd be looking at for the Padres is depth so I am looking around and looking at guys like Tommy Lastello or heck even Yasiel Puig, whoever aren't necessarily the top guys on the market, I think the Padres should start leaning forwards. And I haven't come out and said who I really think the Padres should go for, but I just want to say, like, I think here's the biggest thing is I think we need to wait and see how Clevenger's doing. If we get reports that Clevenger can probably come back next year, then I think you'd be a little bit less aggressive in what you aim for in free agency. Maybe you don't go for the top free agents in Marcus Stroman and Trevor Bauer. Maybe you just go for a little bit of a, a lower buy low guys like Masahiro Tanaka. Or heck, even James Paxton, guys like that, you know what I mean? Guys in that type of range, Jose Quintana, Jake Odorizzi, there are some okay starting pitchers available on the market that you might not have to pay top dollar for. And if they're healthy, if we think we're going to get them next year, then maybe you just hope that Zach Davies and hopefully a rejuvenated, you know, it's no more sophomore slump, Chris Paddock, maybe he develops that cutter and curveball a little bit better and starts ironing out more of a pitching repertoire. Maybe that can be enough for now as the high-powered offense kind of carries you. And then, of course, the even I'd argue the biggest thing of all is where's Mackenzie Gore that is arguably the biggest 
biggest question mark when it comes to the Padres this offseason. I've said it before. I was a little bit surprised by the fact that Ryan Weathers made his debut. I was surprised by the fact that Luis Patino made his debut. And I like some of those guys. I think that they are exciting to a degree, especially uh, with the latter in Patino. But we, we got to wait on that. You know what I mean? So if it, it depends. If we start getting reports that they're really confident about Luis Patino and Mackenzie Gore to potentially make their debuts, then I don't think necessarily Trevor Bauer is where you go. I think for right now, the Padres might just want to just see how things go with those injuries and maybe just kind of say, you know what, we're going to get the scraps and we're going to buy low on guys. We're going to buy low and, and make our biggest splash be Drew Pomeranz, or Drew Pomeranz type, I should say. And that turned out great for us. He didn't even give up a run until like the last game of the season. And I know he wasn't as awesome in the postseason, but really great Lurie's pitcher, uh, especially for a bullpen that, you know, kind of didn't perform quite to expectations at least certain guys didn't like Pagan and Kirby Yates so those are really my preliminary thoughts on the Padres free agency I got a lot more to talk about and I'm maybe gonna have some guests on the show to talk about it but for right now a lot of stuff that the Padres got to address and think about and a lot of them aren't necessarily like red alarm things I think that would be my big takeaway for today's pod guys there isn't a red alarm red alarm you need to do this That's always a good sign, usually. You know what I mean? This isn't the Yankees last year where the red alarm was you have to get Garrett Cole or what. You know what I mean? They ended up getting him. Don't get me wrong. But it's it's not like this team has a glaring, glaring weakness like some other teams that are hoping to be contenders. Um, and yeah, those are about, about all my thoughts, guys. I know it was a little bit uh, a little bit generalist in some ways, but that's just what I got to do sometimes. And it, of course, as usual, podcast went longer than I expected. And of course, the podcast ended up going uh, a lot longer than I anticipated. But whatever, you guys should be used to that by now. I cannot stop running my yep, I guess you could say, guys. And with that all being said, guys, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, wherever, wherever, even Overcast, whatever it is, just type it on in, guys. Just type it on in. Follow the show or myself on Twitter, which is at LO underscore Padres or at Javapeno. And feel free to give me some reviews of the podcast on iTunes. Give me some of them five-star goody-goody reviews. I would appreciate that very much. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My Friar Faithful homies, take care.